wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. Uh, look, I'd love to have you uh, come and uh, come and join with us. Look, if you've got a positive thought or a, a comment on one of the issues that we're discussing, if you'd just simply like to say hello, uh, you can do that by texting us uh, here at our studio. Text number comes straight through to my desk, uh, 04888 uh, and uh, we would love to hear any feedback that uh, you'd like to give us. 04888 and that is also the number for our uh, drive time offer uh, that we provide uh, every single day. Now this week we're looking at the theme, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? Uh, now this is a, a series that we commenced our last week, uh, but we're asking what did the major leaders of the Protestant Reformation, what did they believe? Uh, are those beliefs applicable to us today? Uh, do you know, I, I think there is so much happening in our religious world right now uh, that uh, this is an issue that we badly need. Uh, Need to need to assess uh, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? Today we're looking at one of the real heroes uh, of the uh, Reformation, uh, and this man, of course, is the author of that fantastic hymn, "Amazing Grace." Uh, I think every church, every person who's been along to church has heard. They've heard and they sung uh, this particular uh, hymn, "Amazing Grace," and of course, today we're talking. Talking about John Newton, and uh, the question that we're asking is: How could a slave ship captain transform the slave trade? You know, uh, for so many years, I've heard people share uh, that uh, Christianity uh, supported uh, the slave trade. Now, of course, in the South of America, that's very true, but uh, so often those same individuals forget uh, that in places like Britain, it was actually. Christianity that totally transformed and it resulted in doing away with the, uh, with the slave trade. Uh, this, uh, this is a fantastic story that you're going to uh, hear today. Now, of course, today our presenter and co-host is live from Perth in West Oz and that's Pastor Don Felberg. And Don has worked as a, as a pastor and evangelist. He's an international speaker. He's a bush padre, an indigenous ministries leader. Look, what uh, Pastor Don hasn't do, hasn't done uh, really isn't worth doing. How are you, Pastor Don? Yes, well, thank you, Pastor Gary, and uh, nice to be with you and your listeners once again. Ah, oh, it's fantastic to have you back on board, getting some wonderful feedback from uh, uh, the ministry that you're involved in uh, right uh, right now. Um, uh, tell me, what's the weather like in Perth at the moment? Oh, glorious day today, 19 degrees, well, 21, I think, right in the city, and so it's just, it's like a summer's day, nearly. 
Uh, that means that a day or two uh, over here in Adelaide, we can expect some quality weather and uh, two or three days or four days after that, the East Coast can expect it as well. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's wonderful when you send us that type of weather. Now, please just keep on sending us that type of weather and not that <laughs> other stuff that you have been sending us with such monotonous regularity. Um, no, we'll do our best for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Look, one person that I am so pleased to have with with you on the phone today is your good wife, uh, Eileen. Now, uh, Eileen, I, I, we, we have actually interviewed Eileen some some time ago about a, uh, a a ministry, an online ministry that uh, she became involved in uh, just after um, her and uh, and Don uh, retired from full time ministry. Of course, uh, Eileen has accompanied Don on most of the most of his travels, and certainly through his years of a outback bush. Padre, uh, I think you've slept on the side of the road and uh, you've had some amazing experiences. Welcome to you, Eileen. <laughs> Thank you, Gary, and, and um, hello to, to you and to all your listeners. How many times have you slept on the side of the road? Oh, I don't think we've counted, Gary, but <laughs> we, we have um, tented. We started off actually in swags. We, then we went to a tent and... Um, our last year, we actually had a camper trailer, which oh. was luxury. <laughs> that's that's we slept in, yeah, we didn't tent all the time. We did sleep in other accommodations of, um, you know, different um, star quality, I guess you'd say. So we, so we, so I had it all, really. We, we have. I need to get you to talk to my wife because uh, I'm trying to convince her that uh, swags is a good way to go. But uh, um, she's yet to, she's yet to be totally convinced. I'm not the person. I'm not the person. I'm not really good at swags. Tenting, yes, but just out there in the swag is something. Um, I didn't really enjoy. Yeah, especially yeah. when you wake up and you hear this crunching noise, and you pop out your head out of your, um, you know, swag, and there's a big Brahma bull about ten meters away chewing away. <laughs> wow, wow! I mean, these these type of these type of ministry experiences are something that you don't get anywhere else. You know, to be able to no. to, to be bush padres and to be able to go out into the bush and minister right around the Australian outback. Uh, I've heard some of your stories, and to me, they're some of the most um, uh, amazing stories that I've actually heard uh, heard anywhere. But Eileen, look, I actually want to talk to you at the moment, not rather than than Don, because since your retirement, you've become involved in an online ministry. Now, look, can you just tell us, how did that ministry actually come about? Um, I mean, you're online. I mean, you're, you're part of my vintage, which means Facebook isn't Facebook and uh, uh, online ministry isn't part of our natural skill set. Um, and yet mm-hmm. now, now in your retirement, you've got a wonderful online ministry occurring. Now, look, uh, can you tell us, how did it all come about, firstly? Oh, okay. Um, it is a lovely ministry, Gary, and I actually love doing it, and I do it every day, except for some days that I you know, haven't been so well. So um, let me think. It's a bit of a long story, but... I was diagnosed back in, well, about 2012 
Mm-hmm. But in 2019 and into 2020, I actually um, found that my cancer had um, metastasized and um, I was in a fairly, you know, bad situation. Mm. And so I did seek some medical treatment, which I started the 4th of August 2021. And I was given really 12 months. Mm. And um, the oncologist was very confident that he could do something. So I said, all right, you're confident. I wasn't. And I really thought that by the end of 2021, I thought I would probably be gone. That's how bad it was mm. um, progressing very quickly. Mm. And um, I had an open wound. Mm. And um, and so I started that treatment. And within two weeks, I knew something had stopped. Mm. <laughs> and... Um, as the months went on, and I had chemo and other drugs every week for six months, and when I got to about just before Christmas in 2021, it dawned on me one day that I don't think I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to die before Christmas. Yeah. And and so um, I just felt that God had something for me to do and I didn't know really what it was and I started to pray, God, give me a ministry. I actually asked for a ministry. I want to do something for you in appreciation for my moving towards remission. It was then Mm. and I am in full remission now. Mm. So I didn't know in what form that that would come. Mm-hmm. And I must admit, I had my own expectations as we do, <laughs> and I thought that God would use my creative abilities or something, and I would be doing something like that, which I love to do. Mm. But I kept getting this impression to read Brenda Walsh's devotional book, Strength for Today, on live on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Now, John had bought me that devotional book the year before and I read it. And, um, and, and you know, I just dismissed that because I just thought, no, <laughs> you know, Don is the learned one in the family. <laughs> He's the public speaker. I haven't been the public speaker. And um, it kept coming to me and it just kept coming day after day. Mm. And I started to realize, is this the Holy Spirit? speaking to me. Mm. So I said, Lord, if you want me to do this, I need to message Brenda Walsh and ask her permission to use to read her devotional book mm. on live on Facebook. And I did that and you know the next day she sent a text back to me and she said Oh, I actually said, if she okay's that I will do it. And so I sent the message she comes back to me the next day and she said, you can read any of my books on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then I knew I was committed because mm-hmm. I said, Lord, if she says, okay, I'll do it. So it's amazing how that happens. Person, oh, yeah. It's, just, it, it's a God thing, Gary. Yeah. It's a God yeah. thing. And I, um, so I came to the 1st of January and I got the book and I looked up the reading and whatever and 
and found myself a little spot to sit and so forth. And then the only thing I knew was to press the live button, you know, in Facebook. Mm. And it says live with a little camera. So I pressed that. I had no idea what would happen. And I thought, am I on air? I don't know if I'm on air. And, and, um, and then I thought, oh, no, it doesn't seem to be. So there was another little blue video, you know, thing that said live. So I pressed that. And then sure enough, I was on live and I said to the folks, if there's anyone out there, will you tell me if you can see me? And so they said, typed back and they said, yes, Eileen, like we can see you. And so I knew that I was away and God has so blessed that ministry. Mm. And, you know, now we're nearly the end of July and um, we're really going strong. I've missed a few days because of illness. Um, and we had COVID, that sort of thing. But um, we're still going really, really strong. So, what do you, what do you actually do? I mean, you're this is reading a this is a, a daily mm-hmm. devotional, as I understand. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Brenda Walsh has written a daily devotional. So I take um, I, the theme and I read what she has written there, and it usually has a text. And then I just add some other comments to it and some of my own stories and my own experiences. Um, I sometimes will look up the context of the text. So I try to encourage people to, you know, just go that little step further and just read a little bit more around the text. And, so, and to do some further study themselves, to dig into the Word of God. So this is really a daily devotional, the type of devotional that you might have in your own home with your, your husband or your yes, wife. Yes, um, yes. Where uh, So how long does it go for each day? Well, I'm, I'm around about probably the 15 to 20 minutes. Right. Um, sometimes shorter or longer. Yep. <laughs> it really just depends. Yep. You know, some things lend themselves more to telling stories. And I... I um, always try to tell a story from the Bible or one or two stories or, or, or um, you know, examples from whatever the text may be. Today we were talking about forgiveness and so I could share stories like Joseph was um, forgiving to his brothers, you know, Jesus is forgiving, um, things like that. that I, I just extended that little bit longer. Yeah. And the lovely thing is I, I can see some people will join me daily um, and I can see if they just type in their name, I can see who they are. And I love that because somebody is actually, you know, they're with me. Sometimes they will respond to me with little comments and they will share a little comment or an experience that they've had which is really good. So we have some interaction going on there live. So this is just like... This is just like a family worship uh, where mm. your friends are really uh, sitting around. Uh, you're sharing yeah. something and then people, if they want to, can share back with uh, with you. And uh, if you mm-hmm. like, just like it at home, you know, uh, mum or dad might share something and then uh, uh, they can share it with you and you share back with them. Uh, th- this, mm-hmm. is, this is a really beautiful ministry that you've actually got there. Um, uh, have you had any stories, any... Uh, I mean, how many people plug in each day? Well, it's really difficult 
to tell, Gary. I, I don't know because some people will share it onto um, their Facebooks. Yeah. So I don't know its impact. Um, sometimes Facebook will tell me how many views I've had. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I may have between 70 to 100 when it's just myself. Yep. If I have a guest um, on there, I can have up to three or 400 um, views. Yeah. So, um, and, and it does go beyond that. I have um, a friend in Kosovo, a, um, a pastor, lady pastor that we knew years ago from our visit there. I know that she tunes in. She mm-hmm. possibly shares that. I, I really don't know the full impact, um, but I do have um, a couple of really interesting things that have happened. John had a phone call one day from a lady in a community uh, in the Kimberley, fairly isolated community, and uh, her name was Jenny, and um, she wanted to know who was calling her. And um, and Don said, well, he thought he was calling someone else. So, so the other thing that we do is that we text out the link mm. to um, people who don't just get it on Facebook. Mm. Some people look at it through the link. Mm. And so Don had sent a link to this number who he thought was somebody else. <laughs> and this lady got it and she rang back and wanted to know what is this link about and who are you people. And um, and it worked out that the person Don thought he was sending it to had actually borrowed the other lady's phone number, mm. her phone, and used her phone to ring Don, and Don just thought it was, you know, her number. So that's been absolutely lovely because Don said to her, would you like me to continue to send you the link? And she said yes. And so Jenny watches um, whenever she can. And just recently, Pastor John Beck and his wife, Yen, and little Ashima travelled 75 k's south of that, uh, the bitumen mm-hmm. through the Kimberley to go to that community to meet that lady. And that lady and her husband have signed up to come to Mama Rafa. Uh, so, that's you know, God... Isn't it lovely? God knows, um, you know, where his people are, where the interests are. And the so Mamarafa, Mama lo- of course, is the indigenous uh, Bible school uh, that's located mm-hmm. over there in uh, in Perth in, in, in West Oz. And uh, that, of course, is run by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And uh, that is having an amazing impact on the life of, uh, lives of so many uh, indigenous people. It does, it does. And actually another story from there, a lady from Manangrita, which is up in Arnhem Land, right on the very top up there on the, of Australia, um, she's been coming to Mamarafa. Now, she has, um, Don was sending the links to her and she's been enjoying um, the program. So she um, told her sister about it, who is in another community which we have never been to, and that sister rang us up and um, asked, you know, could she have it? And so we've been sending it to her, and then um, in Don's conversation with that lady, that lady also wants to go to Mama Rafa, so she would be coming next year. 
Oh, that's uh, so, they're, they're wonderful stories that there, uh, yeah. Eileen. That, that they really are impacting. Look, we do have to move on, but look, can you tell us? You know, if people would like to join in uh, to your uh, Facebook group and receive this daily devotional that you that you put up, how can they do that? Yes, it's quite easy. If they are on Facebook, they can um, look me up. So it's Eileen, E-I-L-E-E-N, and it's Felberg, F-E-H-L-B-E-R-G. You can look them up. There's there's a picture of Don and I there. We've got our hats on. (laughs) And um, and they can um, invite me to be a friend. So um, So I am adding people. Every day I'm usually adding, or every few days, somebody that is wanting to come on board. So that's one way of doing it. If um, they just want us to send the link, they can message me or they they could ring on um, Don's number, which is 0411-224208 and request the link. We we really would be happy to do this. I think that... um, but the easiest you know, way is pro- the easiest way is probably for people to search for you on Facebook, and that's Eileen Felberg, and Felberg mm-hmm. is spelled with a F E H L B E R G. So Eileen yes. Felberg on Facebook, and uh, just request to become your friend, and uh, you can have this daily devotional. I think this is a ripper of an idea. I, I think it's an incredible blessing to so many people. Uh, Eileen, we do need to actually actually move okay. uh, back to our regular program, but thank you so much uh, for all that you've actually shared here. Uh, let's come to some music. Uh, let's uh, let's come to wonderful words of life because that, in indeed, is exactly uh, what you're sharing. Yes, yes, thank you. Sing them all that I can to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and
Isolation, um, wonderful words of life. What a beautiful song. Love, uh, uh, love that song. And that's exactly what Eileen is, uh, is sharing. Wonderful, wonderful words of, uh, of life. And we want to say a big hello to uh, those uh, people who have uh, texted us in and uh, just simply uh, said how much they're appreciated. Uh, all that uh, Eileen had to, uh, had to share. Thank you so much for those, uh, uh, for those texts. Now, folks, we do have a giveaway uh, book. Uh, it's all this uh, week. We're providing this book. It's uh, entitled The Pale Horse Rides, uh, and this is uh, uh, written by Voice of Prophecy speaker Sean Boonstra. Sean is a brilliant uh, presenter. Every time I uh, I hear him, uh, I just uh, stand in awe at uh, how he is able to present and the quality of the material that he is actually able to, to present. He really does uh, impact the hearts and lives of individuals. Uh, this particular people, uh, th- this particular uh, book uh, deals with the story of how Christianity unfolded in Europe over the course of many centuries. Lots of people know the story of Martin Luther launching a reform movement in the beginning of the 16th century. A Pale Horse Rides uh, will uh, let you meet people from the fringes of the empire, barbarians who mysteriously converted and built their faith with nothing to go on but the Word of God, the Bible. How could that happen? And uh, what did occur? You know, as I look at uh, uh, the story of the, the Protestant Reformation, I see the moving of the Holy Spirit. I see hearts and lives being touched. I see people being changed. Uh, this uh, is a, a profound movement, but this book uh, really digs into it even more. Now, look, if you'd like to get your own copy of A Pale Horse Rides, what you need to do is to text us uh, here at our, uh, at our studio, and uh, that number again is 04 808 11 04 808-808-11. In fact, why don't you put it just into your, your phone, just under drive time? That way you can request any of our offers or make any comments that you, that you wish. Now, if you want uh, this particular book, all you need to do is to text to us our code. Now, the code is SA64, SA64. No gap between the SA and the 64. And that'll go to our robot. You won't be talking to a human, but our robot will send back some, uh, uh, some questions for you to answer, asking your address uh, and your details so that we can get this to you in the fastest way uh, possible. Now, um, a pale horse rides 04888-80811 and the code that you need is SA64. We'd love to be able to provide you with uh, this book. Now, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today, our co-host is again live from Perth, and that's Pastor Don Felberg. And uh, Don's worked as a pastor, an evangelist, an international speaker, a bush padre. Um, he's an he's the... Um, uh, an indigenous ministries leader. Um, anything that's worth doing, Don has actually done uh, throughout his uh, ministry. And this week, we're looking at the theme, is, Pro- is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? And throughout this series, what we're doing is looking at the lives of some of the significant leaders. Now, today, we're looking at the life of a man... Uh, it, the man John Newton. Now, of course, John Newton is best known for writing that glorious hymn, "Amazing Grace." It's a, it's a, it's a hymn that I think most Christian churches um, sing uh, in their congregation at some point in their lives. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that the author 
of that particular uh, hymn, that wonderful hymn, was written by John Newton. Now, who was John Newton? He was a slave ship captain, and then somehow he got converted, and then he would worked to transform the slave trade. Do you know so many people I hear keep on hearing saying, you know, Christianity supported a um the slave trade uh, in America. Well, it did in South of America in the southern states. It didn't in the northern states. It didn't in it changed when one man changed in the United Kingdom. When a slave ship captain came to Christ, when he was converted, a slave ship captain was able to transform the slave trade. It was done away with because of his work. Don, please tell us this story. How did it all come together? Yes, thank you, Pastor Gary. Just uh, reflecting on that hymn, Amazing Grace, it's been it's performed, they say, some ten million times every year in in around the world. It's appeared on over eleven thousand albums. It's uh, between nineteen seventy and nineteen seventy two. Judy Collins' recording spent sixty seven weeks on the chart. Wow. Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley have sung it, and recently President Obama sang it at the Charlestown Shooting Memorial. So talk about a famous hymn, that's it. And so now we'll come to the story of the man behind the hymn. Uh, John Newton was born in London, 24th of July, 1725. His father, John Newton Sr., was the ship's captain and was rarely at home. His mother, Elizabeth, was a nonconformist. That means she didn't belong to the established church or the Church of England, But she taught young John to pray. She filled his mind with the scriptures and she hoped that he would become a minister, a pastor. Well, sadly, she died before he was seven years of age. She died of tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. And so on his 11th birthday, John Newton went to sea on his father's ship. He made five voyages to the Mediterranean with his father. Now, shipboard life soon made him a careless, godless young lad, and he soon became a reckless drinker. Mm. And in 1743, while going to visit some friends, he was captured and made to serve on a man-of-war ship in the British Navy, the HMS Heritage. He overstayed his leave. He was accused of attempting to desert, and so he was publicly flogged. Now, Pastor Gary, a public flogging, that was 96 lashes, and they did it in front of 350 men. Mm. And uh, then he was demoted to be a common seaman. Well, you can appreciate how he felt after that. He, At one time, he thought he would murder the captain and then commit suicide by jumping overboard. But later, he was transferred to a West African ship going to Sierra Leone, uh, the Pagosas, and, uh, and he was engaged in the slave trade to the Caribbean and North America. What they would do... 
They'd take a load of uh, goods and supplies to Africa from England. Then they would pick up slaves there in uh, in West Africa, and then they would go on to the Caribbean and sell them, and then bring spices and so on, whatever, back to England. So it was a sort of three-leg trip. But, Pastor Gary, the conditions on those boats uh, for the slaves were just horrific. They treated them worse than animals. Mm. They would tie them up two together and uh, put them on a on a sort of a bunk uh, bed thing that was only really big enough for one. And uh, the, the, the heat and the stench, and uh, many of them got, uh, you know, diarrhea and the fevers and all. It, you know, it was terrible conditions there. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, um, I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself. Newton was on this boat heading to West Africa, but he didn't get along with the captain. And so the captain left him in, in West Africa with a man by the name of Amos Clow, who captured slaves to sell. Now, Clough gave Newton to his wife, who was Princess P.I., an African royal, and this African lady, she treated, uh, she treated young Newton as terribly as she treated her African slaves. Mm. It was atrocious the way that, uh, that he was treated. He was treated really like a slave when he was in, uh, under her control. Mm. Well, providentially, he was found by the captain of a merchant ship who had been asked by John's father to look out for him. And so that other captain rescued uh, John Newton from P.I. and brought him back to England. Well, on the way home in 1748, the ship, the Greyhound, that they were on was almost wrecked in a terrible storm off the coast of Ireland. And uh, Newton prayed during this storm, probably hadn't prayed for quite a while, although he might have done when P.I. was treating him so bad. <laughs> but anyway, he prayed in this storm, and uh, the storm died down, and the cargo miraculously shifted to fill a hole in the ship's hull, and the vessel drifted uh, to safety there uh, to Loch Schwilly in Ireland. Well, Newton took this as a sign from the Almighty and he marked it as his conversion to Christianity. Um, the experience of the storm, along with his reading of Thomas Akemsis' book, The Imitation of Christ, had reminded him of his Christian background, you see. Mm. And his conscience had never been completely stifled wild and, uh, and, and wicked as he was, because he did have a devout Christian girlfriend by the name of Mary Catlett. Now, he'd fallen in love with her in 1742 when he was still working with his father on those Mediterranean ships. She was only 14 at the time when they fell in love, and they married about a couple of years after that storm experience in 1750. Mm -hmm. Now, after his marriage, he continued sailing for six more years as the captain of, a, of slave ships. He did three more voyages. Now, 
I should add that when he was converted, that was the 10th of March, 1748, even though he committed his life to God, he, he, he didn't radically change his ways all at once. There wasn't a total reformation. It was a gradual change. Mm -hmm. And he himself said later, he said, I cannot consider myself to have been a believer in the full sense of the word until a considerable time after. However, he did begin reading the Bible and he began to see the captives with a more sympathetic view. And he did give up swearing and gambling and drinking. So there were some... There was progression, but it was a slow progression. It wasn't yeah. a, a quick experience like some have. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, just around 1748, he took a fairly major stroke. And so that uh, was the, that led him to give up sea life and he settled in Liverpool, becoming a tide surveyor. Now, he did continue to invest in the slave business. Now, his new, his new Christian uh, direction was strengthened when he met up with the great reformer, John Wesley and, uh, and Whitfield. And Newton started applying himself to, to more Christian things. He studied Greek, Hebrew, and Syriac, and he started preaching as, as a lay sort of a, a preacher. And in 1764, he was ordained to the Church of England ministry and was appointed to look after the church in Oni, where he spent 16 years. And Pastor Gary, they had to add a gallery in the church to fit everyone in. Wow. And so, so people, as, as his life changed, he became a real genuine Christian and people respected him, both Anglicans and nonconformists. Um, he became acquainted with the poet William Cooper, who helped him greatly in his periods of depression and near insanity. I guess he often reflected back on those slave trading days and uh, it tortured him. Um, Cooper and Newton conducted a series of revival meetings in Alney, and Newton was, became ver a very zealous preacher and a faithful visitor of his flock and conducted successful prayer meetings. Mm -hmm. And it was in 1772, at this time, that he wrote that wonderful hymn, that famous hymn, Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm. In fact, him and Cooper published uh, the, old, uh, the only hymns in 1779, and you know, Newton had written 280 of those hymns. So he was quite a poet. Wow. Now, the hymns were designed to promote faith and to comfort Christ sincere Christians. And it's interesting, many of his hymns were based on Bible texts. And so they were sort of a, uh, I guess, an, an explanation of the text. In 1779, Newton was transferred to London to Mary Woolnough uh, to be the, the pastor there. And people struggling with their faith would seek his advice and included among those who sought his advice was a young British parliamentarian by the name of William Wilberforce. Mm. He came uh, secretly 
to to visit with Newton and to talk over where his life was headed. And uh, eventually Wilberforce was converted and he talked to Newton about whether he should leave Parliament. But Newton encouraged him to stay on and to serve God where he was. Mm. Newton and Wilberforce talked about the evils of the slave trade and Wilberforce's Christian convictions led him to become the leader of the parliamentary campaign to abolish Afri- the African slave trade. And Newton, who knew so much about it, was right there behind him, encouraging him and uh, and supporting him. Yeah, I think, Don, in fact, what happened was that, if I recall correctly, um, it was actually John Newton's diaries uh, that were actually able to yes. be used by Sir William Wilberforce in, par- in the British Parliament that led to the eventual um, uh, the dismantling of the whole uh, slave trade system. Uh, look, uh, Don, look, yes. let's have a little bit of a break. We'll get you to continue uh, that story and uh, and bring it together once we come back. But uh, look, this is uh, this is Salah. This is uh, a really beautiful uh, hymn. This is entitled uh, "You Are My Hiding Place." Uh, my Friends, please, uh, please enjoy. This is Salah. Uh, you are my hiding place, and indeed, that's what our God is uh, when uh, uh, when we come to Him uh, and we uh, give our lives uh, into His hands, into His care. Uh, please enjoy uh, this uh, this marvelous uh, piece of music. You are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you I will trust in you Let the weak say I am strong In the strength of the Lord You are my hiding place You always fill my heart with songs Oh 
that is uh, You Are My Hiding Place. That's uh, Solar. A beautiful, a beautiful song. Now, look, guys, our free giveaway uh, this uh, this week is A Pale Horse Rides, and uh, this really digs into the uh, uh, the whole history of some of the minor characters in the uh, in the Reformation, but it really shows the way that the Lord God was leading in that uh, entire movement. You know, the Holy Spirit was touching hearts and lives. Uh, look, if you'd like a copy, and uh, look, that code is SA64. Um, uh, SA64 is uh, is that code. Uh, and all you need to do is to text us here at the studio 04888 80811. The code is SA64. No gap between the uh, SA and the 64. And uh, uh, we'll get you that uh, book, A Pale Horse uh, Rides. Uh, thank you also to the others who have uh, uh, sent uh, sent uh, uh, wonderful uh, messages. Uh, really appreciate. Uh, I know Pastor Don will really appreciate the uh, uh, the messages. Um, now, look, uh, folks, uh, you are listening to Faith FM, uh, Drive Time, uh, big Q&A. Uh, uh, and today our coast is uh, Pastor Don Felberg, uh, live from uh, Perth in West Oz. And this week and last week, next week also, we're looking at is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? And uh, today we're looking at uh, one of the uh, real amazing characters, the man who wrote Amazing Grace. Uh, that man was, of course, John Newton. And we're asking the question, how could a slave ship captain transform the slave trade? Uh, Don, look, bring it all together. For us, we've got uh, about uh, about ten minutes to to, to finish it off. Um, you know, what can we actually learn from the life of life of this man? I mean, he had a tough life. He had a difficult life. I mean, he wasn't. You know, he, he came to Christ over a period of time, but when he finally came to Christ, he really transformed his society. Yeah. Uh, he did. He he, uh, he. We were just mentioning how he supported Wilberforce in his push to abolish the slave trade. And one of the things that he did uh, was in 1788, he wrote a little tract called Thoughts Upon the Slave Trade. And this was to help uh, uh, Wilberforce's uh, push there in the government. And in this little tract, he, he, was, he was very tactful the way he wrote. He started off talking about the appalling loss of British seamen engaged in the slave trade. Mm. Uh, and then he talked about the, how that uh, the slave trade, um, you know, made the people that dealt with the slaves like beasts. It took away their gentle and humane disposition. And, uh, and so he knew that that would appeal more to the British people. They weren't so concerned about what was happening in Africa, but if he could tie it in with Britain. And then he went on to detail the torture and the cruelty and the barbarity to which the uh, slaves were exposed. And uh, he dispensed with the suggestion that they were just unfeeling animals. And uh, he, he, he recorded the fact that these slaves that were sold in the West Indies rarely lived more than nine years. Wow. You know, they were treated so cruelly. And so this little tract was written, and uh, first of all, Newton apologised for being so long standing up against the issue. Mm. 
Mm. He said, it will always be a subject of a humiliating reflection to me that I was once an active instrument in a business at which my heart now shudders, he said. Mm. Well, this pamphlet was so popular that they had to reprint it. They circulated it throughout the land and a copy was sent to every member of parliament. And under Wilberforce's persistence, the government finally outlawed slavery in Great Britain in 1807, and Newton lived to see it. He died uh, that same year. And um, I'm going to come in just a moment to reflect on what what is there in his Christian experience and in the Christian experience of Wilberforce, both committed Christians that led them to pursue this, but firstly, if I can just mention that that will uh, that Newton's dying words, which he'd often said before, were, "My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things: that I am a great sinner, but that Jesus Christ is a great Saviour." Mm. I thought they wonderful words for his uh, for his final words. How powerful! But this little thought, Pastor Gary, what is it that uh, that drove Newton and Wilberforce? Wilberforce, as I understand it, stuck at this issue of trying to abolish slavery for for thirty years or more. His bills were voted down, voted down, and then he would eventually present them again and again and. Finally, it won through, and and I, I think, what is it that drove them? Mm. Well, you know, one of the abolitionists' arguments was Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Mm. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Mm. And that's all mankind, we all come from Adam and Eve, and so all mankind were created in the image of God. The the slavery people, they would say, well, God gave uh, man dominion over the animals, and they seem to count the African people as animals, which is an atrocious thought. Here they were, and, and as... As these fellows came to understand the Bible teaching, they came to realize they were fellow human beings, not animals. Mm. And then in Acts Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, another wonderful little text that drove them on, and and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. We're all made of one blood, Pastor Gary. Mm, mm. It's not that white man's blood is more precious than black man's blood. We're all made of one blood, and we're all precious in God's sight. And in Second Corinthians 5.15, it says, Jesus died for all, it says. Mm, powerful. Now, you know, another interesting thing, the abolitionists, one of their approaches, their, their, what drove them from the Bible was the Ten Commandments. They saw that in Exodus 20, verse 15, the commandment said, Thou shalt not steal. And the slave traders were stealing people. They were taking them against their will mm. and, uh, and selling them off. They were breaking that commandment. 
And then they pointed out they were breaking the commandment in Exodus 20 and verse 14 about thou shalt not commit adultery because the slave business encouraged uh, adultery and it encouraged rape and loose living. And, uh, and then they said it's also breaking the sixth commandment, Exodus 20 verse 13, thou shalt not kill because it encouraged murder. Because um, they were just considered property, killing them was not considered as as murder, and uh, and uh, and so these Christian men like Newton and Wilberforce said, "Hey, that's not what the Bible says. These mm-hmm. people are human beings just like us. Christ died for them just like us, and we are breaking God's commandments by treating them the way that we are." And so those Christian convictions are what changed the slave trader to being a force against the slave trade and helping to overturn uh, the the government policy of the time. Mm. Yeah, Don, I really appreciate what it is you're saying there because, you know, to me, I, I, I must say this again, that, you know, I have heard so many times uh, people uh, very dogmatically uh, say, you know, I mean, uh, Christians in, you know, the South of America, uh, they uh, uh, they use the Bible uh, to defend the, the slave trade. But, you know, the thing that jumps out at me is here when we get a person who is thoroughly converted, when they're converted, when they start to submit themselves to what the Word of God uh, is actually saying, all of a sudden a change takes place in their heart, in their life, in their mind. Uh, and as a result, they start to care for others, even those of other nations they uh, they care for. They, they're prepared to go against the politically correct uh, norms of their society, and here what we find in uh, in England, uh, we find John Newton teams up with Sir William Wilberforce, and over a period of yes, thirty years, they're able to dismantle the entire slave trade, and it is only connected to the uh, the, the 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 link with the uh, Christian Church. If Christianity had yes. not been uh, yes. been around in those days, uh, if John Newton had not been converted, then I suggest the civil war that you actually had uh, in in America uh, yeah. could well have occurred uh, also in Britain. Now, look, folks, we are almost out of uh, out of time. Um, I, I'm just wondering. Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now because we want to say thank you for being the God of all people. Uh, Lord, thank you for being the God who changes hearts and minds. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, that indeed uh, when, a, when an individual is converted, a brand new life uh, eventuates. Uh, peace uh, is just, uh, just, just comes like a wave on the individual. Lord, I just pray for um, anyone who's listening to us today, if they don't have peace, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit might descend upon them, that you might forgive any sin that they are struggling with. Uh, Lord, I pray that you might touch them. Uh, Lord, that indeed uh, they might want to come uh, and submit themselves uh, to your Spirit and to your Word. Uh, Lord, we ask, we pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Mm, Amen. Amen. 
Well, folks, thank you so much uh, for being with us. It does look like our time's up for today. Thank you for joining uh, Pastor Gary and Pastor Don Felberg on Drive Time Big Q&A. Now, tomorrow, Pastor Don's not able to be with us, but we have Pastor Fabiana and Pastor Hugh are going to be uh, presenting on exactly the same subject, uh, and then Pastor Don will uh, uh, be returning with us to us on uh, on Friday. Uh, now, we really look forward to your joining with us uh, tomorrow, but until then, and please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.